Well, tonight I want to tackle a subject that I think is going to be, in my mind, it's a difficult subject. It may not be difficult to you, but I think it's difficult for me to try to teach this and to say what I want to say. But I, I, want, to, I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about God's will. So if you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, we're going to talk about God's will and the performing of God's will. So in Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to read tonight verses 8 through 17. Genesis chapter 2 verse 8 says, And the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord to grow every tree that's pleasant in the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river went through Eden to water the garden, and from thence it parted and became four heads. The name of the first is Pison, the name of the, which passes the whole land of Havilah where there's gold. The gold in that land is good. There's delium and the onyx stone. And the name of the second is Gin, the same as he that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third is Hadical, and that is that which goes east toward Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. And the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, and this is the will of God, of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So I want to talk tonight about knowing the will of God and performing the will of God. So the will of God in this place was to keep the garden, to take care of the garden, and to not eat of the tree of the knowledge. So... Um, if you go to your sheet here, I call this the tale of two trees. The tree of life which gave eternal life to the eater and the tree of knowledge which gave knowledge of good and evil to the eater. Uh, in the, the Hebrew Shamash it says this, Adam was placed in the Garden of Eden to work it and to guard it. The Torah, which the Torah is the first five books of the Bible, mentioned that above the trees of the garden grew their own accord and the river provided the necessary irrigation so rather, Adam was to work the garden through obedience and the performance of the positive commands of God. This means that God's task in the world is to serve God, and if he does that, then his material needs will be satisfied as Adam's were in Eden, for to think that only physical exertion can bring success is to believe in an illusion. So to believe that only physical exertion can bring success is to believe in an illusion. So the first thing I want you to think about tonight that we're going to try to develop here is that sometimes to do the will of God doesn't require us to physically, not every time, but sometimes God wants us to sit and wait on what God's doing. Sit and wait what, on what, what the Lord's doing. And, and let me just, let me just um, I'm, I'm going to get out of order a little bit here, but I want, I want you to go with me to Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 18. It's here in, it's, uh, let me make sure I got the right place. Yeah, Luke chapter 18. And we're going to look at the first eight verses. Remember, we're talking about the thinking physical exertion is the only way to bring success is to believe in an illusion. So Luke 18, 1 says this, And Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end that man ought to pray and not to faint saying, There was a city in the city a judge which feared not God nor regarded man, 
And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said with himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard men, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual complaining, a coming, she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? But look at the next verse. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. How did the woman get avenged of her cause? She wearied him. She continually came to him. So it's by her own physical exertion that she was able to win her battle. But Jesus said what? Shall I find what on the earth? Faith. Anytime you pray for something and you begin to pray for it, you begin in faith. Faith is the belief that God can. And you begin there and you begin praying. And there's got to come a time in your prayer life, there's got to come a time in what you're doing that you begin to know that God has heard your prayer. You can't just continually keep praying, oh God, would you, would you, would you, would you, would you. That's what she did, right? I need to be avenged. 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 I need to, you know. God doesn't require us to continually come and beat, 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 beat with the same prayer. There is a moment, there is a moment when your spirit knows that God has heard you. And the Bible says, if he hears me, I know that I shall have the desires of my heart. If he hears me. So the Bible says there's three things. There's faith, there's hope, and there's charity. Faith says, I know God can. And to pray until we know and touch God and know that God has heard our prayer is to know that God can. Once we know that God can, then our prayer needs to change. We don't continually beat on the door once God has answered the door. Now we say, thank you, God, that you, that you have because if you win the battle in the spirit, then the flesh is going to follow. Am I, am I right there? Is that, is that your belief? So if you, if you touch God in faith and now you know that God can, then your next prayer is to begin to say, God, I thank you that you have. And then you let God work out the details of how to bring that prayer to, to pass. I thank you that you can. And then by faith, I thank you that you have. And charity, love, says, I'll serve you whether you do or don't. Amen. Remember the three Hebrew children, the greatest example of this. Our God can deliver us from your burning fire furnace, faith. And he will deliver us from your burning fire furnace, hope. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. Charity, love. Yes, ma'am. That's hope. Do it now? What's the, what's the last of that? You bring it in hope. God, I thank you that I thank you that He's coming. I thank you that that He will. I thank you that you're working on His behalf. I thank you. You you pray like it's like it's past tense. 
You thank God for it. Now, because you've moved from faith to hope. So, then you're good. That's fine. Sure. Yes. No, no. You just pray different. You, you pr instead of praying in faith, now you pray in hope. Because you've, you've won the, you know, and I use this a hundred times because it's so important to me. As you well know, if you don't, then you must be brain dead. Um, my son is diabetic, and, and whenever he first became diabetic, God had already given me some promises about his healing. So when I first started praying for his healing, I was praying God heal my son. But there came a day, there came a day when that prayer went from God would you to God I know that you have. And now when I pray for Kenan and his disease, I don't pray God would you heal my son I don't, I don't pray, God, heal my son. I pray, God, I thank you that you have healed my son. And all I'm waiting for is a small sliver of time because my, until my faith, my hope, becomes sight. Because I have prayed in faith, and now I've moved into hope, and all I'm waiting for now is for what I know that I've won in the spirit world to become visual in the, in the fleshly world. Manifest. And that is the will of God when you're praying. The Bible says if I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. And if he hears me, then I know that I shall have the petition that I desired of him. And so to know the will of God, to, to not continually try to work it out, right? Because that's what she did. She just continually banged and banged and banged and banged and banged and banged and banged. To not continually try to force this issue, continue to try to make it happen, but in instead to come to that point... You know, we're, we're doing a revival here, uh, sec second week of October. And whenever we come to these revivals, I always get nervous that I haven't advertised it enough, that I haven't called everybody in the entire Hardin County and invited them. You, you think I'm joking, but I'm not. I, I, I start feeling like I need to get more involved in it. I start feeling like people aren't moving fast enough. I start feeling like I need to push it harder. I, I start feeling like I need to start having pizza and, 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 and developing a game night. And, and I don't know what all in order to make it fun where they want to come, you know. And it's hard for me to sit back and say, God, I've done everything feasible. I've done, ev I've done everything you've given me to do with this. And now I've got to sit and watch the salvation of the Lord. All Moses did was stretch out the rod. If God didn't show up, they're going to die. It's that simple. There ain't nothing he can do. He can beat on that water till he's blue in the face and his arm falls off. And if God ain't in it, there ain't nothing going to happen. When he stuck that rod out in faith, in hope, in anticipation, I'm not sure Moses actually knew what was going to happen, to be honest with you. I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know that he exactly, the Bible doesn't really say I don't know that he exactly knew what was happening, but he knew the obedient part of what he was supposed to do was hold that rod out. And once he held the rod out, then God did the rest of it. And it's the same way with this revival. Once I've done my part, once I've advertised it, once I've talked to people about it, once I've done all I know to do with it, then it's time to back off and let God do his part. 
because to continue to push and to press and to bang on the door and to, and to bother people and to, and to do the things that, that I want to do, to continue to do that shows what? Lack of faith. That doesn't show faith. That doesn't show perseverance. It shows lack of faith. And that's what we're talking about tonight, two trees. The first tree was the tree of life. The tree of life, to partake of that, gave you eternal life. Now, how did you know when you got eternal life by eating of that tree? Did your face change? No. What changed? Nothing. You ate of the tree. This tree shows back up again. If you go to, I'm not going to go there tonight for time, but if you go to Revelation 21 or 22, 22, first verse, it talks about that tree of life that changes the fruit every month, changes different fruits, and the tree of life is, is in heaven tonight. It was on earth that back then, and, and all Adam had to do of it was partake of that tree of life, and he would have lived forever, and he would have, he would have been in the presence of God, and we all wouldn't be in the mess we're in now. That's what, he was, that's what he was supposed to do, was to partake of that tree of life, but instead he partook of the tree of knowledge. And, and to partake of the tree of knowledge is to, is to simply be disobedient about what God had told you to do because God's will was tend the garden, take care of the garden, and don't eat of the tree of life. That was God's will. And in order to show God's will, Adam should have taken care of that tree and taken of the tree of life in faith knowing that as he partook of it, God was going to extend his life throughout all eternity. Let's read the second one here. This is from the Expositor's Commentary. He said, Working and keeping the garden provides no contrast to the punishment of working the ground. Man was put in as priest unto God and not a gardener to simply work and keep a garden. His life in the garden was to be characterized by worship and obedience. For example, the enjoyment of God's good land is contingent upon keeping God's commandments. The receiving of God's will in your life is contingent upon you doing it his way. Because in order to do it his way, you have to do it in faith. How do you get saved? By faith. When you come to see, when you come to experience salvation and you either pray to God or you confess your sins unto the Lord and you feel a change in your life, then by faith you know that you've been saved. Your, your outside didn't change. Oh, you might have you might have went from a frowning to, to smiling. That's what most people do. They feel the weight of sin leave them. They feel that new rebirth, and they, they have a feeling, but physically they didn't change. The next morning when they get up, some things will be different, but a lot of things will still be the same. And so it's by faith that you say, I know I changed my life. And, and to continue to walk in God's commandments and to continue to give, do what God gave you to do is, is to demonstrate that faith and to show that you're partaking off the tree of life of which you're going to live eternally because you're partaking in faith. Does that make sense? To partake of the tree of knowledge is, is to express doubt in what God can do and to express faith in what I can do. Now, I'm not against education. I think you should be educated. I'm not, I'm not against um, searching for answers to problems. I'm, I'm all for that. But when you know God's will and you purposely continue 
to, to press and push and try to prove that God knows what he's talking about, then you've begun to eat off the tree of knowledge and you've abandoned the tree of, of life because the tree of life is only followed through faith. Now let me show you what I'm talking about. Let's go to the book of Numbers. We're going to go to Numbers chapter 13. Well, I'll tell you what, let's start in Leviticus. Let's go to Leviticus 20. What you don't know right now is I'm just following, I'm just following the Holy Spirit in faith. When I laid this all out today, I said, I'm not sure how this even goes. But right now, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm by faith, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, trying to follow this. So Leviticus chapter 20, the Lord tells the children of Israel, verse 24, are you there? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 24, but I, the Lord, have said unto you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give you to possess it, a land that flows with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. So he's talking to the children of Israel, and what does he tell them? He tells them, I've given you their land. The land you're going to, when you get to Gadish Barnea, and you step over into the Canaan land, I've given you that land. What kind of land is it? A land that what? Flows with milk and honey. He tells them two things. My will for you is I've given you this land and my will for you is to tell you that this land is good land, that it flows with milk and honey. That's God's will. So we go now to the book of Numbers chapter 13. So the children of Israel, they've, they've done their sojourning around the, about Mount Sinai. Now they're beginning to walk toward the promised land. They get to Kadesh Barnea, the place where God tells them, hey, just over this boundary line here, I've given you this land, and it's a land that flows with milk and honey, and that's what he tells them. And so let's go to Numbers chapter 13. So we're there. We're there. We're right there. We're fixing to receive the promises of God. It's fixing to happen. And what do we do? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search out the land of Canaan, which I shall give to the children of Israel. Out of every tribe of the fathers, they shall send a man according every ruler among them. If you go to number 17, Moses tells them this. And Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan. And he said, get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain. See the land where it is, the people that dwells therein, whether they be strong or weak. Was that in the deal? Did, Jesus, did God tell them go out there and check to see if they're strong or weak? No, he didn't tell them that. Few or many... And what the land, if they dwell in, whether the land be good or bad, what has he already told them about the land? Milk and honey. But Moses sends 12 guys and says, go see if it's good or bad. And what cities they be that they dwell in, whether they're in tents and strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, and whether it be woods there or not, and be of good courage and bring the fruit back of the land. Now the time was the time of first ripe grapes. Do you remember whenever the children of these 12 guys came back, what kind of report did they bring back? Bad report. Ten of them brought back a bad report. Said there's giants in the land and we look like grasshoppers in their sight and so we are. We can't possess it. We can't do it. What was God's will? Possess the land. What kind of land? Milk and honey. They came back and said what? We can't do it. Why did they say that? They were scared. 
But it goes back to what Mike was saying tonight. They were right. They could not possess that land. Jericho itself was a formidable city. They couldn't overrun Jericho. There was no city in that land that they could possess. They were exactly right in their assessment because they made their assessment by eating off the tree of knowledge. They went in there not remembering what God had said. They went in there with their own knowledge and now they said, oh, we can't do this. We can't possess this. Look at all these grapes. Yeah, the land's good. They, they brought back a cluster of grapes that they had to carry between two poles. Oh, yeah, the land's good, but man, there's giants there and fit cities and, oh, this is too much. We can't do it. And whenever God gives you a promise, most of the time you're going to find that it's bigger than what you can do. It's bigger than what you can experience. I remember whenever we, we were here... We had been pastoring for a little while, and, and our, our Tahoe had about, I don't know, several hundred thousand miles on it, like about three or three and a half. I think it was 300,000 miles it had on it. It was getting pretty old. I'd been praying about it, and the Lord had, had given me direction, go buy a new car. So I, I took some good advice, and, and I went and looked at a Dodge Durango. And we, we, the first one we looked at, it didn't, didn't really feel right, but... We went and looked at another one, and, and uh, Charlie Montgomery helped me, and, and the guy gave me a good price, and, but the note was still $680 a month. Well, we hadn't been pastoring very long, and, and I wasn't sure there was $680 a month in my budget. But the Lord had said, go find a new car and buy it. And so my, 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 the God's will was find a new car and buy it. My knowledge said, I don't know if I could make that monthly note. And if I'd have lived off of knowledge, I'd have walked off the car lot. And I'd have said, oh, I, I can't do that. I just can't afford that. Even though I felt like that was the right car, we had test driven it. It felt right. The kids that were in at that time, they were looking. They said it was good. We, everybody agreed that it was the right car. But if I'd have went with knowledge, I'd have never bought it. Because my knowledge says, I don't think I can afford it. But my faith says, this is what God gave me to do. And if I'm going to follow God, then I'm going to follow him eating off the tree of life in faith, believing what he said, because the tree of knowledge will always rob you. It will always fail you because it's not of faith. And the Bible says, whatever is not of faith is sin. To begin to, to eat off the tree. Of, now, I'm not saying you shouldn't count the cost. You, are you with me? I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't count the cost. I'm not saying you shouldn't be um, uh, frugal and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But when you know what the will of God is and you're confident in that will of God, then you can't let knowledge rob you of that blessing. Are, are you with me? Am I making sense? They were robbed of their blessing and they ended up wandering in the wilderness 40 years till they all died because they ate off the tree of knowledge and not off the tree of, of life. Um, the pulpit commentary says this, Doubtless there is in the command to keep it here too an ominous hint of the existence of a greater adversary against whom he was appointed to watch. So the two trees... One represents the tree of life and it's to be eaten in faith that if I eat of this, God will do what he said he will do. The other is the tree of knowledge. Let's go back to Genesis 
And let's read about the tree of knowledge, Genesis chapter 2. Is this, is this making sense? We're talking about how to follow the will of God. I know we've been talking about marriage and love, love and marriage, love and marriage. But tonight we're, going, we're talking about following God's will. So let's look at, let's go back and let's look at in chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3. <coughs> You know the story, the serpent came to Eve and told her, hath God said? And she said, yes, God has said. And she made it a little more difficult. And, and um, the, the devil says in verse 4, he says, the serpent says unto the woman, you shall not surely die. For the day God knoweth that in the eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened. You will be as God's, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, number two, a tree to be desired, uh, I'm sorry, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. In that passage, it tells us three things that knowledge thrives on in order for us to choose it. If you look on your sheet, it says faith in its simplest terms is believing God's word, knowing that God will do what he said he will do in his word. Um, let's go to Go to the second sheet where it says knowledge in its simplest terms. Knowledge is a system of education that enables us to help ourselves. Number, Genesis 3, 6 tells us knowledge works in three areas. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, pleasant to the eyes, lust of, lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life. Whenever I was writing this today, I thought about when Jesus, after he was baptized, it says, and the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there for 40 days, tempted of the devil. And on the last day of that temptation, the devil came to him. And I don't know if I can get all these right, but the first one was, he said, if you be the Son of God, turn these rocks into bread. Right? Lust of the flesh. He'd been 40 days without food. And the devil says, well, turn these rocks into bread. The second thing is, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Showed them to him. He saw them. I don't know how he did that, but he did it. And he said, I'll give all these to you um, if you fall down and worship me. Lust of the eyes. The third one was, cast yourself down off this cliff, off the pinnacle of this temple. For it's written that the angels will bear you up lest you dash your foot, dash your foot against the stone pride of life. I'll show you. I'll jump off this temple. So the devil came to him with opportunities to use knowledge in order to prove he was the son of God. Did he know he was the son of God? He did. He knew he was the son of God. He didn't have to prove it. He said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But the devil used three opportunities for him. And if we go to 1 John, which is in the kind of the back of your Bible, you go to 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says this. I'm kind of skipping around, so I'm giving you a chance to catch up here. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, John says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, 
For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, these are the things that are knowledge, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world pass away with the lust thereof, but he that does it the will of God abides forever. He that eats off the tree of life does the will of God in faith, believing he abides forever. But the one who eats off the tree of knowledge that's driven by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, these are not of the Father, but they're of the world. Look, look with me. Let's look at one more place here real quick. This isn't on your sheet, but let's go to 2 Corinthians. First and second, second Corinthians. It's right after 1 Corinthians. At least it is in this Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Here's the weapons, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself, what? Against the knowledge of God. That's what we're talking about. The knowledge of God, the will of God is God's desire for my life. That if I walk in faith, believing, doing what he's called me to do, then I know that God will promote me because he who eats off the tree of life in faith abides forever. But when a high thought begins to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, and I begin to follow that with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, then I begin to eat off the tree of knowledge. And when I eat off the tree of knowledge, then the promise that God has given me won't come to pass because I'm no longer in God's will. Yeah. You with me? Yeah. Let, let's look at, you're in, you're in 1 Corinthians. Let's walk, over, let's walk over to Hebrews. It's just a couple of books over. Let's walk over to Hebrews. What? I, I may not finish this tonight. That, I know that shocks you. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 1, in simplest terms, faith is simply believing in God's word, knowing that God will do what he said he will do in his word. If God says, by my stripes you are healed, then we believe that. God may use an instantaneous healing. He may use a, a doctor. He may use a, a therapy. He may use uh, several, he may use whatever God wants to use. But as long as, we're, I've already told you this story, but, but uh, several years ago, the Lord laid on my heart that he wanted me to, to believe him. To, I, I was actually praying about it. I was saying, Lord, I don't, I don't know that I understand about healing and I want to understand. And the Lord simply said, don't go to the doctor for the next, I don't, he didn't put a time period. He just, just said, don't go to the doctor. Well, it wasn't too long after that, I started feeling funny. I started having trouble breathing. I didn't have any energy. My heart was racing and pounding in my ears. And, and I just, I was having all kind of little health issues. And I, and I know that God was in it because Kathy never one time told me, you need to go see the doctor. She never said that. And I didn't tell her not to say it. I didn't tell her what God was doing with me. I didn't tell her anything. Just the Lord, the Lord was working with her and I together. And I didn't go to the doctor. And, and there was times when I thought, Oh my goodness! We we went to we went to um, 
We, went, we were staying in a motel one night, and, and my heart got to racing, and it was racing so much, and my face was feeling flushed, and I knew my blood pressure was up, and I started feeling lightheaded, and my, I got sick to my stomach, and, and, and I was, this may be more information than you need to know, but I was so concerned that I was going to pass out and that they were going to come find me that I, I got up, we were, we were at a motel, I got up and I, I pulled my britches on. I said, because if they come in here and get me, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be laying here like this. I want to have my clothes on. So, Because so I, I was convinced that I was fixing to go down. I, I thought it was. I went, I, man, I was praying. I'm rebuking it. I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm, 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 uh, I'm doing it all. But I went in the bathroom, and I, I sat in there, and I thought, boy, I'm fixing to pass out. Man. And then my face was red, and, but all of a sudden, it just quit. <laughs> Boom, that fast. Came back down. Nobody ever knew the difference until I told Kathy the next morning what happened. She didn't wake up during the whole ordeal. And, uh, you know, and, and, and one day I got to feeling better, feeling better, kept feeling better. But then I pick up this wheeze whenever I'm breathing, my, my air is whistling in my lungs. And I'm up here praying about it one morning, and I hear in my spirit, go to the doctor. And I, I, I really thought that was the devil trying to trick me. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm not going to do this. God's given me the victory, blah, 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 blah. And a few minutes later, I hear, go to the doctor. And I kept hearing it, go to the doctor, go to the doctor. And I realized, oh, wait a minute, this isn't the devil. <laughs> this, is, this is the Lord. And I couldn't understand that. And I waited several days. But after several days, Kathy said, you need to go to the doctor about that wheezing. Well, that was a confirmation out of two or three, you know, the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. And so I went to the doctor. The doctor gave me an uh, x-ray. He said, you've got a cloud in your lung. You've got pneumonia in your lung. Your blood work doesn't show any problem. There's nothing in your body that makes me think that you've got pneumonia. But the x-ray shows pneumonia. And I'm just going to tell you that sometimes that hides a tumor. You may well have a tumor in your lung. I said, I don't think I have a tumor in my lung, but okay. They gave me some stuff. It cleared up. Didn't have a tumor. They didn't know why, why my blood work didn't show anything. They didn't understand all that happened, but I was fine. And the Lord helped me to understand through that that sometimes God heals by perseverance. Sometimes he heals instantaneously. But it's okay to go to a doctor as long as you know that that's, you're within God's will doing that. Does that make sense? So God uses all these things. So faith is, Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's two positions that are totally different. The substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. And when you go through your Bible, you'll find out that faith is mentioned two places. If there's the fruit of faith, right? Fruit of the faith is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, uh, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. So faith is a fruit and when you go to the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, you find out that faith is a gift. So one is a fruit and one is a gift. The substance of things hoped for is the fruit. The evidence of things not seen is the gift. And it's demonstrated, if you go over about two pages, in James, the second chapter. Y'all still with me? If I left, have I lost you? With me? We're talking about faith. Faith is... Faithfulness is the fruit, and faith is the gift. So here's a demonstration. James says that faith without works is dead. In other words, you show me, with, you show me your faith without your works, 
and I'll show you that I believe God by working. So, in James chapter, where are we at here? James chapter 2, verses four through 14 through 17, he says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone... This is an example of the fruit of faith. If you need money, and I know that you need it, and I have it, and I refuse to give it, the Bible says in 1 John, how dwelleth the love of God in me? But if I know you need it, and I have it, and I say, here, I got a 20, take that. What am I demonstrating? I'm demonstrating that I have belief in the faithfulness of God. The same God that supplied my need for that will supply my need tomorrow and I help you in the meantime. That is a demonstration of the fruit of faith and how did I demonstrate it? By giving, by allowing my works to demonstrate my faith. Now, if you're going to expend it on, on things that's not, not right and I know you're not, you are, then I probably shouldn't give it. If I know that you're going to go out there and buy drugs with it, then that's not faith giving it to you. That's, that's dumb. If I know that for sure, then that's not smart. But if you're a Christian brother and I know that you, you're just running a little short, you're, you're, you're good with your money, you take care of your business, this is the first time it's happened, and you say, man, I just, I just came up short this month, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, I've been praying and asking the Lord to meet my need, and the Holy Spirit says meet his need, now I'm, am I going to do it in faith or am I going to follow knowledge? I'm gonna, if I give, then I've eaten from the tree of life and I've followed faith. If I say, I only got 20 and I don't know, man, something, I may need gas tomorrow. I better hold on to it. Now what have I done? Pride of life. I'm saying I don't have confidence in God that if I do what he said to do, I don't have confidence that he's going to put it back. And so that's eating off the tree of knowledge. And that brings forth death. That will kill your faith and kill the will of God in your life. So, it's 8.30. I got to quit. If y'all want to, I would like to finish this next week. We're talking about hearing the will of God and determining if we're going to eat off the tree of life through faith or if we're going to eat off the tree of knowledge through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what we're talking about. So next week, we'll continue here and we'll talk about the rest of this. <laughs> okay. Yes. First of all, before Blake makes his grand announcement, it's going to be grand, it's grand, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you letting me kind of meander around here. This, this is something that the Lord kind of laid on my heart today. Um, I've been developing it all day long. Even after I went home today, it was still kind of developing. It's kind of helter-skelter on your sheet, but I appreciate you being merciful and just following along, and I want to say thank you very much for that. I, I really appreciate it. God bless you. Okay. By faith, by faith you're going to follow me. <laughs> Go ahead, Blake. Floor is yours. You need a microphone?
Can you talk loud? Okay. Can't hear you. Oh, okay. Amen. That makes that makes nine salvations this week. Four Sunday morning, five tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Stand with me then. Amen. Amen. Knowing the will of God and following the will of God. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity tonight, Father God, to teach your word. Thank you for the great things you've done in our service tonight, God. Thank you for the healings that you've given us tonight, God. Thank you for the worship, Lord. Thank you for the teaching of the word, O oh God. And I pray tonight, Father, that you would lead us and guide us in, in your will, O oh God. Help us, Father God, to follow you in faith, believing and eating from the tree of, of, of life, O oh God. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to be here tonight, Father God. Lead us and guide us and direct us. In Jesus' name we pray and for your glory. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week. We will see you Sunday morning. Everybody ought to come to Sunday school. Sunday school.